0: our series on radical discipleship and this morning we uh, end with the discipleship ultimatum an ultimatum given by by jesus to those who were coming after him jesus had quite a crowd people who were very interested in what he was doing and um and so uh let's just be reminded for a moment first of all what a what a disciple is a disciple is somebody who follows jesus a follower of christ uh, discipleship is growing in the Lord Jesus Christ and being equipped by the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life. How many know today that no one decides, well, I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to, I'm going to follow Christ and I'm going to, I'm going to just uh, do whatever Jesus did. You can't do that on your own. How many know that today? How many maybe have tried that and you've just found, man, it just doesn't seem to work out. Well, there's a good reason for that, and that's because you need the empowering of the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to help you to live this life. And that is why when Jesus left this earth, he said, I want you just to, just to stay put and wait before you do anything, before you try to serve me, before you try to tell others about me. I want you just to stay put and wait for the coming Holy Spirit. And, then, of course, the Holy Spirit fell, and we call that the day of Pentecost. And at that moment when the Holy Spirit came, upon the followers of Christ. Um, you, know, you, know what the, you know what it says if you've read your Bible, and everybody here reads their Bible every day, right? It's four. <laughs> Jesus, you, you know in Acts chapter 2 that it says that when the Holy Spirit fell, they spoke in tongues. Power came upon the apostle Peter. He stood up preached a sermon, and thousands came to Christ that day. Um, you understand that this Christian life, requires the empowering of the Holy Spirit. So here's the thing. This ultimatum that I want to share with you this morning, uh, you, can't, you can't do this unless the Holy Spirit enables you, but even more than that, unless the Holy Spirit helps you understand it. Because it's just, it's just too out there. It's too demanding. It's, it's beyond anything anyone could live out unless they have some kind of supernatural help some kind of supernatural empowering or strength. So here's, uh, here's what, um, here's what we, we read. Here's Jesus' ultimatum. Let's take a look at that. And maybe if you could read that with me. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life... Oh, back up. <laughs> Whoever loses their life for me will save it. Okay, just stop there. You understand then that this is, this is, this is big. Uh, d- deny yourself, take up your cross daily, follow me. Uh, in the Greek, the, the, the term deny means to renounce, to renounce yourself, to take up your cross daily and follow Jesus. This is, this is, you can't do this. How many know that? You, just, you can't live this way on your own. And so it is absolutely futile for you to sort of come to church and think that, you know, I'm, I'm going to get my batteries recharged and I'm going to go up there and try to serve Jesus. What you need is you need the empowering of the Holy Spirit in order to fulfill this ultimatum. And the ultimatum is simple. Uh, and everybody knows what an ultimatum is. Do this or else. These are the things you must do or the relationship does not exist. The relationship has come to an end. And uh, uh, I mean, you, 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 we all have personal Experiences with this. When you were in high school, you were supposed to get was it 33 credits, or you can't graduate. You know, I still have nightmares about being short one credit. Anybody have those kind of nightmares? Go to bed at night and uh, and then wake up in the morning and just in a cold sweat, thinking I I can't graduate because I'm short I'm short one one credit. Okay, i I'm 48 years old now, (laughs) uh, way past graduating from high school, but that's the fact. That's the ultimatum. If you want to graduate, you've got to do this or else you're not graduating. And I know, I know lots of people gone through high school and were unable to graduate with their graduating class because they were short one or two credits. It's the ultimatum. You can't get the diploma. You can't be recognized with your classmates. You can't wear the cap and gown unless you do all the things that you're supposed to do. And we we face ultimatums all the time. So it shouldn't surprise us that Jesus gives us an ultimatum as well. In your job, there's certain things that you have to carry out, certain things that you have to fulfill in order for you to keep your job. And there's there's other things that you have to do in order to to advance in your job or to get a raise in your job. There's there's demands upon you. Well, so it is with, with Christ. Jesus gives his followers this ultimatum. Now, I've got to tell you this. Jesus was surrounded by thousands of people all the time. In fact, if you, were, if you follow Christ around, you'd say, man, he's, he really knows how to do it. At least you'd think that up until this moment. Because what Jesus now says to, to those who are following him is actually... a uh, can be considered quite a turnoff. This is not the way to, to get people to, to keep following you, Jesus. This is not the way to, to have a, continue to have a crowd. You, you don't put these kind of demands on people. But here's the thing that you need to understand today. Jesus is not trying to win a popularity contest. Jesus is not trying to win a crowd. He's not trying to have his ego massaged. What he's trying to do is he's trying to show you and me what it means to be a Christ follower. He's trying to show you what it means to be like him. People, people know that Jesus is a very special prophet. In fact, it's in this chapter, Luke chapter 9, if you have your Bibles turned there, and you'll see that in that chapter, Peter says to Jesus, I know who you are. You're, you're the Messiah. Now, this is, listen to me, folks. This, is, this was amazing. This, is, this was an extreme pronouncement that, that anybody would suggest that anyone was, in fact, the Messiah, the promised Messiah, the one that was promised by God for hundreds of years. Peter all of a sudden stands up and says, Jesus, you're the one. You're the Messiah. You're the one promised by God. Now here, listen to this. All these people are following him and they're seeing the miracles that he's doing. They're seeing some extraordinary things, things that they've never seen before, things that they only heard about. Now it's happening right before their eyes. And Jesus says to these people, look, he's not trying to win them over. What he's trying to tell them is, is if you want this life that I'm offering, if you want this abundant life, That I'm offering you if you want this eternal life that I'm offering you then this is what you got to do this is how you've got to live so whoever wants to be my disciple must meet these three conditions and here they are and and just look at those look at the yellow words there you must deny yourself would you say I must deny myself could you just say that and I must take up my cross daily and I must follow Jesus. These are the three conditions to discipleship. These, this is what it means to be a follower of Christ. It means you must deny yourself, you must take up your cross daily, and you must follow Jesus. Now, I've got to just remind you what, what this means. To deny yourself means literally to renounce yourself, and I looked up the definition of renounce in the, in the dictionary it says this, uh, renouncing is to say a formal, look at this, a formal declaration that you no longer own, support, believe in, or have a connection with something. In this case it's yourself. So you know, you're making a formal declaration. You're letting everybody know. You're going public with this information. You're saying that you no longer own or support or believe in or have connection with yourself. Now, Jesus, this is just not the way to win people. This is not the way to get people to follow you. To renounce means to formally or publicly give up a right or claim to something. To formally or publicly give up the right or claim to your own rights. It's to disown or turn away from something, to voluntarily leave a position. Back in December of 1936, some of you may remember hearing or reading about Maybe some of you remember it happening. Uh, King Edward VIII was not yet, not yet uh, uh, crowned. He hadn't experienced his coronation yet, but he was, uh, he was called King Edward VIII. He, um, he fell in love with, with Mrs. Wallace Simpson, a divorcee, and he intended to marry her. And the British people at that time said, this, is, this can't be. This, this cannot happen. The British Parliament said this is impossible. How on earth can the the king who is supposed to be the head of the church, how can he marry a woman who is now going to divorce her husband so that he can marry her? This is not going to work. So he had a choice to make. His choice was either to give up Wallace Simpson and keep his throne with all the rights and all the privileges and all the honor and all the wealth and all the prestige that went with that, or he could renounce his throne and have the love of his life. Well, you know the story. He gave up his throne. He gave up the privilege that goes with it. He gave, he gave up the fame and, and the fortune, and all that goes with the throne of England. He renounced it so that he could have the love of his life. Now, I want you to recognize something today. This is precisely what Jesus is asking you to do. He's asking you to renounce the privileges that you have, to do as you please, to do what you want to do. He's asking you to give that up for the love of your life. And who is the love of your life? Who's the love of your life? Is it you or is it Jesus? And here's the thing, if you don't renounce yourself, if you don't deny yourself, if you choose to put yourself on the throne of your own life and say, I'm going to call the shots, no one's going to tell me what to do, nobody's going to push me around, no one's going to deprive me of my rights, if you choose that way, then Jesus is saying, you can't be my disciple. Wow. This is tough stuff. And that's why I said at the beginning, The only way that you could ever embrace this is if the Holy Spirit enabled you. Let the Holy Spirit open your eyes to understand and to see the wisdom in it. Are you prepared to renounce yourself? Because that's exactly what Jesus is calling you to do. He's calling you to give up your rights, where you say, I demand my rights. If I don't get them, there's going to be a fight. Paul says something really interesting to the Galatians. He says in Galatians 2.20, he says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave gave himself for me. When you become a Christian, what happens, my friends, is that you renounce yourself, you die to yourself, you no longer do what you want to do. You start living your life so that you do what Jesus wants you to do. You beca- listen, you become more concerned with what Jesus wants than with what you want. And this is the lifestyle that Jesus is calling you to. This is the discipleship ultimatum. You have to renounce yourself. You need to die to yourself. You know, we go to funerals and... and uh, actually, we don't have too many... Uh, funerals nowadays that where there's a full casket and the person's dressed up and put in the ground. It's mostly cremation nowadays. But uh, what do we do? We, we, we try to dress that corpse up so that we look at that corpse and say, Man, that looks, he looks lifelike. <laughs> that person, why do we want them to look lifelike? They're dead. They're not there anymore. And you know, this is precisely what what you and I do. We try to dress ourselves up and try to look lifelike. And Jesus is saying, look, get, get, you need to get rid of the old self. You need to die to the old self. You need to bury that old self. And you need to start living a life that is in Christ and not in yourself. This is the first demand of the ultimatum. The second ultimatum is you must take up your cross daily and follow me. Now, listen to me. Jesus understood better than anybody what the cross represented. Interestingly, listen, before, before he, he makes a statement in, in Luke 9, 23, 24, in Luke 9, 22, the verse before this one, Jesus says the Son of Man must go and suffer and die. And Jesus knew full well that he was going to be going to the cross himself. Jesus was very acquainted with what the cross represented. When, when he was a little boy, there, had been, there was an uprising near his town in Nazareth. And uh, and it was in the, the town of uh, Sephorus. this uprising, rebellion against Rome, meant that uh, a number of Jewish rebels raided the Roman armory there, and Rome did not take that lightly. And so what, what Rome did, the Roman army did, they moved into into Nazareth, or into the town near Nazareth, Sephorus. They, they took the women and children, they sent them into slavery, and then 2,000 of the rebels, listen to this, 2,000 of the rebels were crucified and put on on, on stakes, on crosses, so that everybody in that area would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's a bad idea to mess with Rome. Now, Jesus has this image of of death in his mind when he gives the second part of this ultimatum. You must take up your cross daily. Six times in the Gospels, Jesus makes reference to this idea of followers taking up up their cross. It's his favorite illustration of death to self. Again, Jesus, this is, doesn't seem like the way to win followers. But listen to, the, listen to this. Jesus understands that the best thing... Listen, you can't, you, can't, you, can't, you can't absorb this unless the Holy Spirit helps you now. Jesus knows that the best thing for you is for you to die to yourself. That's the best thing that can happen to you for you to take up your cross, for you to deny yourself, to renounce yourself, and to take up your cross. Death to self. Where it means you no longer live for yourself. It means you no longer live to try to please yourself. I just want to ask you a question. Think about it right now. Think about all all the, the bad things that have happened to you in your lifetime. And you will discover that almost all the time, it's because you did not deny yourself. You think of maybe some of the health problems you have right now, and you will discover that it's probably because you didn't deny yourself. And you think of the good things that have happened in your life, the things where, you have, where things have turned out well, where things have gone really well. And you will discover that it's probably because you denied yourself. Now, let the Spirit of God speak to your heart this morning, because here's the thing. If you want things to go well for you, then you can't do what you want. If you want your marriage to be a success, then you can't do what you want. You say, well, pastor, does that mean I have to do what he wants? No, no, that's not what I'm saying. What you need to do is what Jesus wants. Get that? So what you're doing, my friends, is you're giving up your rights, not necessarily to people. What you're doing is you're giving up your rights To Christ you're saying Christ I give you my rights and now I'm gonna do what you want me to do not what I want to do this is what it means to be a follower of Christ now here's the thing Jesus is saying you got to trust me in this because what I'm saying right now does not make sense but here's what Jesus is saying trust me when I say that the best thing that you can do is deny yourself when you deny yourself then you're going to start to see things turn around in your life. When you stop doing what you want to do, your health will improve, your marriage will improve, your job will improve. Because here's what you're doing now. You're, doing, you're living by the principles of Christ. Remember what the principles of Christ are? Very simply, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love others as yourself. These become your guiding principles. When you live like that, when you deny yourself and live like that, Things turn around, and Jesus is saying, trust me in this. Do as I say, trust me in this, and watch what happens. Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. You can take up your cross and follow me. I just got to remind you what Paul says about about this message of the cross he says he says in first 1 Corinthians 1 18 for the message of the cross is foolishness for those who are perishing those who are dying spiritually but for those of us who are being saved it's the power of God the minute <laughs> do you hear that you want the power of God in your life then then to make you got to make that decision today to take up your cross and say Jesus I'm not gonna do what I want I'm gonna do what you want so here's the thing and in, in dying to yourself I mean you're not you're not gonna hold that grudge anymore it means you're going to do, you're going to, following Jesus, you're going to do what Jesus did. What did Jesus do? He said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. This is the conditions of following Christ. You're going to do what he says. It means you're not going to get even with that person who really did, did you wrong. It means that you are going to partner with God in the work of caring for and helping the needy. It means that you're going to say, Lord, I'm willing to give my time, my energy. I'm willing to give even my own will to you for your glory and honor. This is not easy to do. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm just being very honest with you. And I'm going to tell you what the, what the, current, the, the current modus operandi in Christianity in North America is. I'll tell you what it is right now. Here it is. What, what churches are trying to do is they're trying desperately to make everybody feel comfortable when they come to church. because And here's the, here's the reasoning. It's because you've had a hard week, and the last thing you need when you come to church is to have the pastor tell you hard things. Now, I'm not making this up. I can, I, can, I can go to half a dozen conferences. I can sign up for half a dozen conferences today. And when I get there, they're, they're, it's going to be all about how to make you feel better. If I were go, to go to a doctor and I say, you know, doctor, i got a I got a lump in my, in, my, in my side here, and it's really hurting me, and he said, oh, heavens, you know, I just want to make you feel good. Here's some pills that will take away the pain, and, uh, and don't worry about it. Just take some pain. And every time you feel a little bit of pain, take a little bit more pain medication. Would you call that doctor responsible or irresponsible? You would really call him irresponsible if you found out from another doctor that what you were suffering from was some kind of a a cancerous tumor. You would say, how could you be so irresponsible? So what I have to do as, as a representative of Christ to you is I have to tell you the truth. I've got to tell you what's going to really make you feel better. What you need is not a temporary feel-good pill. What you need is the surgery that's going to make you feel good from now on. You don't need anything to mask the pain. What you need is a truth that will set you free. And Jesus is telling us the truth of what we need to know in order. to truly feel good, to truly be happy. Look at this next verse. Jesus says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. What good is it if I make you feel good and I just say, you get out there, you pursue your dreams, your visions, your goals. This is what God God wants wants to empower you to. No, he doesn't. What he wants for you is he wants you to be like Jesus. What God wants is for you to pursue his vision, his goals for your life, his dreams. That's what God wants for you. My friends, this is, this is the real Christianity. This is the ancient Christianity that was handed down to us from the first century. A call for you to take seriously the ultimatum of Christ. If you want to be my follower, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be a Christian, here's what you've got to do. You've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross and Jesus says, you have to follow me. So my question for you this morning is this. What are you here for? Why did you show up this morning? Because my wife made me. (laughs) Gloria said to me this morning, Alan, you've got to get out of bed. You're the pastor. Why are you here this morning? Is it because you're paid to be here? Is it because your friends are here and they'll talk about gossip about you so you better show up? Why are you here? Jesus had a lot of followers, didn't he? And we know why they were following him, because there were some pretty amazing things happening. In just Luke chapter 9 alone, it begins with Jesus sending out the 12, and the 12 go out, and they're they're doing miracles, and they're preaching, and demons are being cast out, and people are being healed. And everybody's like, wow, we've got to find out more about this guy. Who is this Jesus? They're following Jesus because they're amazed at what they're saying. And in that very chapter, it's the... There's a, the multitude is fed, 5,000 are fed from just this little tiny little lunch and it feeds the multitudes. Wow, who is this, Jesus? And, and, and word's spreading and people are following. And then there's a transfiguration. Jesus goes up the mountain and Moses and Elijah meet with them. Like, who, who is this? This is amazing. Word spreads. Got to get more of this. Got to, got to hear more about this, Jesus. There's a young young person, demon possessed. Jesus has the power even over demons, and that child is delivered of the demons. Who is this Jesus? And the crowds gather, and they want to know more, and they want to see more, and they want to hear more. Jesus even tells people that he is going to die. And that none other than the chief priests and the teachers would be responsible for putting him to death. And now everybody's really listening. What? What? Did he say what? Did he say what I thought he said? Yeah, he did. And then Jesus says something even more startling. He says, and after they put me to death, I'm going to rise rise again from the dead. Now the crowd is really bearing in and listening to everything Jesus is saying. Who is this? Who is this? Jesus knows he's got a crowd, and Jesus knows that these these followers are extremely interested in everything he's saying and doing. And it's to these people who are following, but yet have not made a commitment that Jesus says to them, you're the ones that now have to decide what you're going to do with this information. If you really want to be my disciple, if you really want to follow me, then you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to take up your cross, die to yourself, and follow me. Do whatever I say. Do whatever I do. I want to ask you, why are you here this morning? Back at the beginning of the last century, which is when I was born, the beginning, middle of the last century, but if you were to the beginning of that century, you'd find that it was it was this, the socially or politically correct thing to do. Everybody went to church. Everybody had a Sunday suit. Everybody had a white shirt to wear. Every man had a tie to wear. Every woman had a dress to wear and a bonnet to put on because it's the right thing to do. We lived in Greece. It was the same thing. Everybody went to church because you're a Greek and Greeks go to church. To be Greek is to be a, an Orthodox Christian. To be an Orthodox Christian is to be a Greek. And so it's the right thing to do. Why are you here this morning? It's because your family Your family's here because your parents made you come. Why are you here today? Maybe this is your your social network. My friends are here. That's why I'm here. Maybe you're here because you feel guilty, you've done something wrong, something you shouldn't ought to do. You failed your wife, you failed your kids, you failed your boss, you failed God. And so you thought, I better come to church and and, uh, do my penance, my penance, listen to Pastor Allen preach. (laughs) don't laugh too hard please it hurt my feelings what are you here for why did you come Why why did you roll out of bed this morning when you could have slept in why are you here I hope and pray that the reason you're here today is because in your heart of hearts your desire is to follow Jesus to take seriously the discipleship ultimatum. You've showed up here today because you're saying, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to do what Jesus wants me to do. I want to be who Jesus wants me to be. Now I want you to stop and consider for something for a moment. Did you ever consider why we do what we do here in this church? Did you ever wonder why I felt it was so important that we have a cafe here? Is it because some of you sleep in late and I thought, well, may, oh, I just want to make, be nice to these people, make sure they get a coffee before the service starts? No, that's not why. It's because I take seriously the call to fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we've created a place for you to visit and to connect. It's a ministry. It's not just a the convenience. There's a reason behind it. Do you ever wonder why we have all those kiosks set up? These are not make-work projects for us. It's an opportunity for you to sign up and get involved in doing what Jesus has called you to do. Why do we have a trip to Zambia? I'm going to let you in on a little secret. The thought of doing all the work and going to Zambia is almost overwhelming for me. This is not my idea of a vacation, to be honest. I'm just going to be totally honest with you. This is not something that I would want to do. You know what I would like to do? I'd like to go on a cruise in the Caribbean. That's what I like to do. But here's the thing: God has called me to follow Jesus and to do what Jesus says. And Jesus says, "Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature." And so I take that seriously, and I say, God, I'm going to make the sacrifice. Rather than spending it on a cruise, I'm going to go to Africa. I'm going to rough it. I'm going to get needles in my body to protect me from diseases. I'm going to spend my own money so I can go live in discomfort so that I can do ministry in the name of Jesus. That's why we have a Zambia kiosk. That's why we ask you to make a donation one time a year to go to Zambia night, our missions, missions event. That's why we do this. Because we take seriously this call to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is not just so that I can give you some, some entertainment in the middle of the miserable cold winter. It's because Jesus has called us to make a difference in our world. Why do we have Discipleship 101? Is it because I need more things to do? Is it because I have too many free Wednesday nights and I need to tie up some of those dates so that, uh, so that I'm not bored? <laughs> I'd love to sit home on a Wednesday night and spend time with my family. Watch a little bit of Lark Rise at Candleford, Maryland. BBC drama, love it. Discipleship 101, an opportunity for you to learn how to be a radical follower of Christ. My kids are going to be coming to that class. Because Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And so we as a family will be at Discipleship 101. Why do we have a time of giving why do we have a giving center i know some people think oh well you know the church is always after money no it's not it's an opportunity for you to give unto the lord it's between you and god i don't have anybody posted at the giving center to see what it is that you're giving and then writing it down and then reporting to me i have no idea what anybody gives my listen to me this is an opportunity for you to follow jesus in giving and sharing that's why we have offering for you to have an opportunity to give. Why do we, we worship? Why do we take the time to sing songs? To give you an opportunity to worship God together with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Why do I bother preaching and teaching? So that you can learn and grow and become more like Jesus. And so the question this morning is this. Will you, will you respond to Christ? Will you do what Jesus is calling you to do? Will you be prepared to live radically for Christ? And for some of you, that might be as simple as not running out those doors the minute the service is over, but it might mean going, and it might be hard for you, because it is, and I know some of you might find this difficult to believe, but for some people, it's really difficult to go and sit down at a cafe and talk to people. And yet Jesus calls us to that, to love God, to love one another these are the principles we live by and here's the thing the more radically the more serious you are about this idea of loving God and loving others the more you will know joy and happiness and contentment in your life in your marriage in your family Jesus says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? You see, it's really easy, isn't it, to pursue your own dreams. Somebody told me that, uh, actually it was my niece told me that Justin Bieber, young Justin Bieber, used to go to church in southern Ontario. He lived in Stratford. Went to church was involved in the church with his mother. The kids believe that he is a Christian. And he's not the only one. The list there's a, there's a long long list of people who went to church and who once knew God. Elvis Presley grew up singing hymns, Johnny Cash, another one. Miley Cyrus if you can believe it. I could go on through a long, long list of famous, famous people that you knew who went to church, who once knew God, but who, when they heard Jesus say, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me, they said, no, I think, Jesus, I'm going to pursue my own dreams. I'm going to pursue my own plans. What about you this morning? What is your dream? Are you prepared to say, Jesus, I know that you know it's best for me. Because here's the thing. Someday you are going to die and Justin Bieber is going to die. Midas Cyrus is going to die. She's a little billionaire. Did you know that? Talk about gaining the whole world, wow. But what good is it if you gain the whole world and yet lose your soul? This morning the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart and he's calling you back to that place where he becomes number one in your life where you say, Jesus, I'm going to do what you want me to do. Because here's the thing. Nobody on their deathbed ever says, I wish I would have had more money. They suddenly remember, although they may not be able to articulate it the way I'm articulating it now, but they suddenly remember the lack of relationship with God and the lack of relationship with one another, with people. My friends, this is what life is about. This life is all about denying yourself and living like Jesus. Would you bow your head with me, please?